0: The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Uh, Christmas Eve, we were at my house. We kind of just did a last-minute invite. My wife is just crazy and generous, hospitality, so she just does things like posts on Facebook like, hey, if anyone wants to come over on New Year's Eve, or, excuse me, New Year's Eve, we'll be there. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And that looks like goes against everything in my personality. It's just so scary to think everyone on Facebook is invited to our house. Like... <laughs> I mean, there's some weird people I'm friends with on Facebook, like <laughs> please. So maybe a private invite, but uh, but I appreciate that. So we're you know, we're getting our house kind of together and I'm and I'm I'm cutting cutting bread, I'm doing fondue and and uh, just nick my finger with the knife. And and I just kind of knew if you ever have these kind of moments when you hit yourself with a knife, and I hope you haven't done this, but maybe you have like sometimes you know it's like nothing, and sometimes you're like, oh man, that's not good. And we got these new knives, and they're just really sharp. They're not like my old knives. that are just like all butter knives, so it doesn't really matter. You couldn't cut your finger if you tried. And these new knives just like, and just like took a little piece of my finger. I'm like, oh, man, not good. I just, I didn't really want to deal with it. I didn't even want anyone really to see it. So I just threw some like, paper towel on it fast and just started wrapping it up with duct tape. And I'm like, that will, <laughs> that will do it. But, you know, it, it's, it's not inconspicuous when you have a tip of your finger wrapped up with duct tape. So, of course, people are coming over through the night, and I'm like, "Ah, I cut my finger, and God's punishing me for canceling church on Sunday, and... (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you good, dude? Right on? And, um... And so I have this thing on my finger, so people kind of, you know, see it. There's all these different kind of people in our lives, right, in, 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 as we go about our daily walks, whether you hurt yourself or not. But some people see it, and I have duct tape on my finger. I know straight up, some people just ignore it. Like, they don't even want to know. Like, you got something wrong with you, I'm not interested, forget about it. Uh, most people say something about it, and then I said, ah, oh, I got these new knives, and I cut my finger, and then they laugh about it. You know, so there's always those kind of people in your life. But there's these other people in our lives, and and in this night I experienced, when we tell them, like, "Ah, I think I nicked it, I covered it up, and they're like, well, let's let's take a look, you know? Let's unwrap that thing, like, let's see if we can maybe get a stitch in it. We had some people over here who work in, like, nursing and, like, urgent care, emergency room type situations. Those people love that stuff, like, that's what they live for, like, oh my gosh, someone's hurt, like, we can tear that thing open, and we could throw some, you know, stitches in it right now. Like, no. I don't, I'm not interested in looking at it right now. We don't, I, don't, I don't want to take it out. I don't want anyone to fix it. I'll deal with it another time. I don't want you to look at it. I don't want you to recommend me to go to the ER. Like, I'm just going to get through this situation. And there's these people. They're fixers. Like, they have to fix things. They cannot like, ignore that my fingers has duct tape on it. Like, they're like There's something wrong with that, and it just sort of gets in their head. And, like, they want to open up my finger and look at it. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. And I think we all can kind of relate to those things, whether you're, whatever side you're on. Because some of us just have stuff like, uh, I know that's messed up. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not dealing with it now. <laughs> I've straight up decided not happening tonight. Like Whether that's right or wrong, I'm, I am set in this situation right now. I'm going to leave the duct tape on through the night. I don't want it to get in the way of, of the rest of the evening. right? And there's, these, there's people who just have a really hard time with that. They're just fixers. Like, I don't want anyone to fix it right now. Maybe tomorrow. Like, right now, just let me be. I know I'm a little bit hurt. Just let me hang out. I'll be fine. Just trust me, right? Don't have to tell some of your friends, just trust me. Like, I'm going to be okay. And, but we need all these kind of different people in our lives. And even the people just to kind of laugh at us, like, that sometimes is helpful. Like, dude, you're such an idiot. Like, yeah, that's helpful sometimes. Or, but, but some people want to get into it. And we look at this this story we're going to look at over the next pro- probably four to six weeks, we'll see, um, in, in, the, in the letters to the Corinthian church. And I just was reading some of this over the break. And just these great letters of, of this, this missionary, this Apostle Paul, who planted these churches in the city of Corinth. And these churches are, are just going through stuff. Like they're just, they're injured. Like they have duct tape everywhere. There's just lots of problems with the Corinthians church. And Paul is writing these letters and he's addressing th- these problems. There's, there's lots of them. This is the early church. Late last year, we looked at the, the Acts 2 church, which was, which was really pretty cool. It had a couple problems, but mostly it was really nice. It was a great like, utopian idea of community and meals and caring for orphans and widows. Very quickly, we kind of see, the, see how we're kind of drifting into the church that really looks like how we are today in the Corinthian church. And Paul, if we, we get to understand this guy a little bit, Paul's a fixer guy. Like He doesn't let things go. If he gets word of something that's messed up, he wants to dig into it. If one of the churches he, he planted, people he cared for, people he discipled, um, missions he's sort of built, he gets wind that there's something wrong, he wants to tear that thing open and get right into it. He's not just going to let it go. He's a fixer. He's, he's, he's aggressive that way, and that's what made him so good at doing what he did and managing all these people in places kind of all over the globe at that time. And for Paul, the reason he wanted to get into that stuff is he realized the mission was just that critical. The mission was that critical. And so he said, we have, to do, we have to deal with this. We have to do something. This is serious stuff. If I back off a little bit, if I let off the gas on you guys, man, it, it affects the course of history, even where we are today. Because Paul kept up on these people. He poked at people. We just saw glimpses of it through a couple of letters. but I just sense, like, this is the guys. Like, man, you, you nicked yourself with a knife. Don't, don't pretend like it's okay. We're going to get into that. And we're going to deal with it. So studying Corinthians, um, you can throw up the map. I think i got a map on there, Alex, just to kind of give an overview. Real basic. This is one of Paul's missionary journeys. This is to kind of see the ground he covered. No, some of us are familiar with this. but And he moved around. It's kind of marked off by people and cities. And so Corinth's over here on this side, Aquila, Priscilla, Justus, Crispus over here. Athens is right below it. We're getting kind of close to Rome. So that's where Corinth is in that waterway over there, and so this is this is where this letter is being sent out to. One of the great ways to sort of uncover Paul's work in the New Testament, as we look at as we look at his letters, is to go back into Acts. Is there anything in Acts that talked about it? So did Paul visited in Acts, and what can we learn from that sort of a, some background background narrative? So I was hoping actually get into to Corinthians one today. I think we're just going to look at Acts because um, Acts eighteen talks about his time in Corinth, and it gives us some great background. these situations because we enter into these letters and this is going to be some of it's going to be old news for you for some of you some of it maybe is review or being caught up but we're entering into some kind of conversation some kind of story happening and we know some details we don't know all the details Um, but there's a big picture narrative happening and when you get into these letters it's nice to read it that way like man there's something going on here and and this is going to offend some of you that's not just about you like sometimes we read the text we read the scriptures we try to find a verse that we like that works for us today. Like, ah, that seems boring. That's for someone. Else. Oh, there's a verse I like today, and we write it down. And that works for us. This this letter to the Corinthians, Paul wasn't actually thinking about you when he was writing it. He was thinking about the Corinthians. So we're going to try to set it in history, but because the text is alive and living and impacts us today, we're going to kind of invite God's Holy Spirit to speak to us today. So Acts eighteen. Now uh, we'll just kind of read a, a few paragraphs and make some comments and. And uh, and go from there. So Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So you can see on the map, Athens is pretty close to Corinth. Athens actually in this book is Acts 17. If you remember, he's dealing with these philosophers on the hill and the story of this unknown God. So it's just really philosophical, intelligent culture in Athens. And Paul spent some time there. And you'll notice Paul he, when he's done he doesn't it's hard to say when he's gonna be done as far as timelines, but as far as Athens went. He seemed to have some people win over, so he sets something up. Paul Paul gives it time until he sees something set, and then it kind of God moves him along. So he moves up from Athens to Corinth, and there he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. Uh, This exodus of Rome kind of had to do with the Jews were just causing ruckus in the streets, and at some point, the emperor's like, you guys are out. Like, we are not dealing with you anymore. Uh, Rome, at this stage, was kind of actually letting up, letting off the Christian church a little bit. They sort of were, like, letting it go. We'll see a little bit further on, like, they didn't care as much. They sort of like, you know what? Jesus, not Jesus, we don't really care. Sort it out yourselves. The Jewish people were, like, not letting it go, and Rome's like, we're not dealing with it. You guys are out. So there's this exodus that happened, probably 49 AD-ish. And they moved to sort of down the coast or wherever they could kind of set up shop. And so these people are working there. Paul runs into them. We don't know exactly how that worked out. It seems at some point these people be- became part of his crew. They became part, of, became part of the faith. They're tent makers. They're working. Paul's working. Could be making tents. Some suggested maybe it was more like leather. So um, Paul's doing that. He's hanging out in court, getting to know people. Each Sabbath found Paul in the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike excuse me, trying to convince Jews and Greeks of life, of the gospel. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles. So he's in the synagogues. He's preaching to, obviously, Jews and Greeks. He doesn't care. There's Greeks hanging out. They're kind of listening in. Uh, the Jews just are rejecting him, like, get out of town, we don't like you, we, we're not listening to you, what you're saying is false, and they just, day in and day out, he's like, no, let me tell you about the grace of God, he's like, we don't, we're not interested. Eventually, he has enough, it Says he shook his, his garments, he shook the dust off his robes, and this is a real exaggerated extri- expression, like, it, when you see people do things that, that are just, like, too much, like, like, dude, you're being dramatic, like, Paul was being dramatic, like, he's shaking his stuff. And what that meant at the time when you shook your stuff, it's like, I don't even want the dust of this place on me. I don't even want a particle of this, of this place on me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want any of your DNA or skin cells on me. I'm going to shake everything off, and I'm moving away. And so, so there he rejected the, the, Paul, and then Paul's like, I'm rejecting you. I'm done with you. You can't reject me. I'm rejecting you. You can't fire me. I quit. Like, he's just sort of like, I'm not, I'm not letting you guys push me around. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And he removes himself from the situation, And just for a second, we we see this occasionally from Paul and other church planners, Jesus' nuances. There are times in our life and people in our life and situations in our life when sometimes it is okay to just shake it off and walk away. Maybe that's permanent. Maybe it's just for a season. Because it feels noble sometimes to just continue to dig in and dig in. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let up on these guys. They can't defeat me. And you get in your head, i like, I don't even care if they reject me. I'm going to keep going day in and day out. At some Paul point, Paul's like, you know what? This is beginning to become a waste of time, and there are too many, too many other people in the world to reach for me to be doing this. And that becomes a very valuable question for us to ask sometimes, even in our friend bases, work circles, people we spend time with, right? And some of us have big circles. Some of us have, like, really small ones. Uh, that, wherever you're kind of spending your time, and we're like, ah, it's eventually they're going to get it. Eventually they're going to get it. This is going to turn around. Sometimes it's okay just to walk away. See that in the Old Testament? Sometimes, you know what? O- we're done here for a little while. I'm shaking you off. I'm moving on. And so Paul sensed that, and he, and he moves on from, this, from, these, from, these, from the Jewish people who are rejecting him. So he went home to the home of, uh, of Titus Justice, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, uh, became believers, and were baptized. So he, so he has this moment where he's like, I, I'm done with you. And all of a sudden, it kind of seems like things are opening up. And sometimes we get stuck in these situations because God's like, you need to move out of that situation. You're, you're stuck there because I don't want you there right now. I want you over here. And God's like, I'm not going to open that thing up for you because I need you to Move. And even if you're stubborn, some of us take a long time to move, but God's like, move, God's like, I need to move, Paul. I need to move you over here. And so all of a sudden, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, no, this is big time, the leader of the synagogue, the synagogue are the people who, who beat the Christians, who would say, take those guys out in the street and stone them. This was the, uh, stone them, and this was the leader of them. So somehow Paul gets in the ear of, of Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, a dev, would have been a devout, devout, learned, learned Jewish leader, He becomes a believer. All of a sudden, he's like on Paul's side. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul a vision and told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you or harm you. For many people, there are many people in the city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for next year and a half teaching the word of God. So there seemed to be some kind of breakout. There's some believers happening. There's some good things happening. But this next little line is a whisper from God. says, don't be afraid, which really the the subtext of that is that he was afraid, that Paul was afraid. And whether that was the pressure of the Jewish leaders on him or, or, or the people of Corinth. Corinth, Corinth was a very difficult place. We'll talk about this in weeks to come. It was a very immoral, immoral pagan city. Even all the other pagan cities thought of Corinth as a pagan city. Like to be called a Corinthian was a, was a, was a very bad, loose living kind of way. It was a very hard hard city to, to do anything in, let alone plan on church but it seemed like how oh, things are going well paul's maybe the pressure is starting to get to him he says don't be afraid god's god whispers to him just probably just when he needed it most don't be afraid whether it's the jews or the people who live there don't be afraid see i'm with you i am with you no one will attack or harm you for many people in the city belong to me and i love this encouragement of, of what god's saying many people in the city belong to me and it, and it speaks to, to sort of God's work in this city. Even before Paul got there, God's, God's calling people to himself. I don't know how they got there. Maybe some other missionary got to them. Maybe God just had a revelation. God's working. Paul shows up and gets to join God's work in this city. This is sort of great missiological thinking for you and I when we do missions, work, whether it's in our neighborhood or overseas. We get to join God where, or at where he's already working. God's already at work there. Even in your dark corners of your social circle, circles, whether it's like a certain group of friends or workplace or old college buddies that seem like, dude, those, those guys are, that's dark. Like God's working there. I'm going to enter into those circles and, and join God. He encourages Paul, don't be afraid that I have people in this city. God has people in this city. God has people in this city. I'm always encouraged I run into people that, that, that are part of the church. As, as much bad news as we get on the news all the time, like Man, God's doing good things. God is, God is working here. He says, don't be afraid. So, so it says that Paul stayed there. He, he stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. And I love this for, for us today. When, when God says, don't be afraid, because I think we all have things we're afraid of, and some things we're supposed to be afraid of, but there's some God things we're afraid of or moves in our life that we're afraid of. And if God whispers to you, don't be afraid, That's nice and all. There's kind of an action required on our behalf to sort of step into that. Okay, don't be afraid that I'm gonna stay. Maybe everything in Paul's life at the time said, I want to go, I want to run. This is hard. This is not fruitful enough. I'm not profiting enough. My life is in danger. Everybody hates me. Someone's like, Oh, yeah, what about those people? They like you. He's like, Yeah, I don't care about those people. Everyone else hates me. God said, Stay, don't be afraid. And Paul said, All right, I'm gonna stay. And that's just a a way that we can sort of lean into our fears. A way we can sort of defeat our fears is is to do what you were afraid of. What is that thing you're afraid of? What's been nagging you? Like, man, I always thought maybe I could step out and do this, but it's just holding you back. Paul's afraid to stay. God says, don't be afraid, stay. Paul stayed. There's this sort of requirement. It's nice to think, no, fear not. God's with you. But what does that fear not mean? What is that fueling your life? What kind of action is, is that? Is that pushing you, pushing you into in your life? I think we wrote in our newsletter a couple weeks ago, we we're just talking about, man, if you need some, some, something new this year, we're hoping that God gives that to you. You have the strength to sort of embrace that. Some of us are just beat up after last year. You need a new year. You need something fresh to happen. I'm praying that God brings that to you. You have the faith to step out in that. But it's also like even if you don't think you need something new, I pray God awakens that in you. Because some of us don't even think that way. Like, I don't know. I, I'm fine. Man, what if you're not fine? you got to awaken something in your eyes. So Paul leans this, and he stays for a year and a half. And this is going to paint some of the story, right? He's in this very difficult city, and he leans into it. He was up there for we don't know how long, maybe a couple months, maybe more. Then he logs another year and a half in this city doing work. He cares about this place. He's invested here. As far as we can tell, he spent more time here in Corinth than anywhere else that he visited. This was an important place to him where he saw a lot of work and got to know a lot of people. When Galileo Galileo, Galileo became governor of Archaea, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the the governor for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galileo turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews. If this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have a reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. So, so the Jewish people, they, they got some of their leaders and some of their government, and they brought it to, to, the, to the Roman officials. Hey, we've got to do something about this guy. The Roman guy's like, I don't care. I don't care about that guy. He says, you're just fighting over words. I'm not interested. Don't drag me into this thing. And I think sometimes today, I think the world sometimes feels like that way about us. In the church, we can fight about certain things. We have words for doctrine and theology and, and splits in the church and, and egalitarianism and complementarianism. Like, people in the world are like, don't drag us into that. I'm sorry you guys are crazy fighting over words, but I'm not interested. And so the Rome kind of takes, Rome, Roman government kind of takes a stand here. And there's this brief period of, like, of, this, of religion, this religion being permissible, like, do it like do it don't do it I'm not interested I'm not judging you on that sort it out yourselves but this was now this was the Romans you know government's position looking at these people like I don't care you're fighting it doesn't seem interesting doesn't seem important and that's not going to win anyone over to sort of your faith when they just hear about the fights you're having on the inside like hey you have to do this do that do this they didn't care they didn't even care so the crowd, they then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galileo paid no attention. So, so these Jewish people, probably some of the Greek people as well, are like, you're not going to rule on this? We're going to take matters into our own hands. And they grabbed the leader of the synagogue. Right? Now, this is the new leader of the synagogue. because remember, Crispus was the old leader of the synagogue. You can't be a leader of a synagogue if you're not a Jewish person. That's probably not going to last very long. So he's a Christian now, and this is another whole other story, right? But this guy, Chris, Crispus, he his whole life was rearranged, big time. Everything he had built in his life, everything he had discovered, everything he had learned, all the people around him as the leader of the synagogue, all of a sudden Paul comes into town, grace that God enters his life, amazing. Guess what, dude? That old life is gone. We don't even know what happens to this guy. So the new leader put in place... Sosthenes, and and I don't know how he ruled on this thing, but they beat him right in the courtroom. So my guess is he's not very excited to deal with these affairs either. That doesn't leave a good, very good taste in his mouth. So there's this, there's riots are starting to happen, and then in verse 18, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, before he eventually says says goodbye. So he lives in this city. I, I don't know, it's years, and there's this arc of of ups and downs, and people coming to to know Christ and being baptized and there's beatings in courtrooms, and there's Paul being scared, and there's God entering in. And it's just this great story of life. It's this great story of God moving someone through this through this city where God was already working. And the message for Paul in this season of, of, of rejection and fear and some ups and, and some downs was like, Paul stayed. Paul remained. Paul remained. And so much of of a kind of a missionary perspective or journey, we look at sort of even Paul or sometimes in our own culture or context, is about going everywhere. How many places can we get to? Sometimes you just need to stay where you're at, be present there. Paul stayed present in this city for a long time and he remained. And those are hard questions for you to ask God. It's between you and him where you're at in life. If If this is a remain time, or is it time to pack up and move on because it's, it's just done? But those are great answers to know. Should I stay or should I go? So Paul remained in the city and he continued to do work there. And he invested time. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see this in through Corinth. When he writes the letters to the people of, of, of Corinth, to the Corinthians, it, it, there's a painful tone to it because he spent so much time. And if you ever spend that much time with something that seems like it's falling apart, it can, it can hurt. And so this begins to set up corners. I'm just going to read uh, Oh, man, there's, guys, there is so much good stuff that's kind of coming our way on this thing. I'm just telling you, it's going to be really good. But um, Corinthians 1.1 1, 1 says this, and this is to kind of hint at some of the cool crossover. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. So this guy who replaced Christus as the synagogue leader Who refuses to kind of get involved in the situation, who gets beat in the courtroom, man, somehow finds Jesus and his buddies with Paul now. Somehow he's hanging out with Paul, and Paul takes the time to write back to the people of Corinth, say, hey, me and Sosthenes are still hanging out. This is from the both of us, the old synagogue leader. And these threads are just so cool to see how God works and redeems. And so we'll get into more of that Uh, overcoming weeks but i'll bring bring noah back up and guys i'm just gonna um let's take a moment and and, uh just kind of listen and talk to god now there's so much good stuff in your story lord (laughs) so much good stuff god and these are not always three easy steps to a better life, and if you do this, this, and that, Lord, but there's just narratives of ups and downs and of going and of shaking clothes and of remaining and of being scared and, and being encouraged, Lord, and that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. We need you, God. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you as we close out on this song. I don't have the answers for everyone in this room. I don't know if you should remain. I don't know if you're getting beat up and need to run. I don't know if you're discouraged. I don't know if you just need to hear that. Don't be afraid. God's got this. Maybe you don't have anything to be afraid of and you need to be afraid of something. Holy Spirit, you speak. You speak, Holy Spirit, in this, this closing song. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Gilio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to n e u e c h u r c h dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.